We're beginning a brand new series for a brand new year, all about simplifying, simplifying your life. Simplifying your life by, among other things, getting rid of clutter. Clutter. Clutter is any untidy collection of unneeded things, useless things, forgotten things, unwanted things, things that we hang on to out of habit or neglect or oversight or, frankly, insecurity. And it's a problem. It's a problem because clutter just keeps coming. For all of us, even those of us who consider ourselves clutter crusaders, it just keeps coming. And that's a problem because clutter distracts us. It confuses us. It gets in the way of what we're doing or what we're trying to do or where we want to go. When I talk to other pastors about growing healthy churches, I often suggest getting started by simply simplifying their spaces, getting rid of the clutter, which can often have a crippling effect on parish life. The church is supposed to be a movement, and that means we've got to move. And it's hard to move when you're saddled with all this stuff. <laughs> a pastor friend of mine tells the story of a time he agreed to visit another church that was really struggling to discuss how they could grow a healthier parish. And arriving at the parish a little early for the consultation, he decided to take a look around, only to discover clutter and junk everywhere, in the lobby, inside the sanctuary, even on the altar. But the breaking point for him was the nursery, which was a mess. It was filled with old, broken, dirty toys. You know, clutter and dirt often go together. Anyway, deeply disappointed, he decided to leave. And as he was walking out, the pastor of the place was coming in, wondering aloud where he was going. And my friend said, I'm leaving. And here's my consultation. You want to grow a healthy church? Clean out your nursery. Don't tell me how much you love Jesus. Clean out your nursery. Decluttering, which is a word, by the way, Decluttering brings order and organization as we more easily navigate our daily living. Decluttering lowers our stress as we get rid of things we don't need and put away things we don't use. Decluttering helps reduce confusion because there are fewer choices to make. When you throw it out, when you give it away, when you put it away, an item is no longer a distraction to you. In this sense, decluttering is about freedom. When it comes to decluttering your space, there are essentially seven steps as I count them. Step number one, make a plan. Set aside some time in your schedule and set a goal for what you want to accomplish. A closet or a cabinet, an entire room, the whole house. Step two, enlist some support. Find a friend or family member to help you out. Get some help if you're no good at it. Get some help if the project is going to be a big one. Frankly, I don't need any help decluttering my home. I'm on it all the time. But when it comes 
to church, that's a different story because this place is so big and the clutter problem here is so huge. And you might not think it to take a look around, but it's true. Kids in student programs alone, literally manufactured junk. <laughs> to tackle it all, we've got some great volunteers who are even better at it than I am. Step three, get started. And the very best way to get started is to get started. And there's never a better time of year than this time of year. Step four, discern where items need to go. Decide what stuff is most important, what's important but not now, and what's no longer important or helpful or useful. The general rule of thumb is if you haven't used it or worn it in the last year, you don't need it. And if you have duplicates of something, get rid of them too. Step five, establish a place for everything and put everything in its place. Then label it. If you don't have an orderly storage, if you don't know what you're storing, you don't really have it. You're storing it, but you don't have it. You don't have access to it. When I came to Nativity, there were storage closets and storage rooms everywhere. And even some usable space that we could have been using for programming had been converted into storage space too. In fact, the area we now call the East Lobby was actually a narrow, dark hallway lined with room after room after room devoted to storage. And here's the thing. Nobody knew what we were storing in those rooms. And because they were so stuffed, nobody ever bothered to try and find out. It was just too much trouble. We had all this usable space that we neglected because we were storing all this junk we literally never used because we didn't even know we had it. Step six, work to create new habits that will keep your space in order. Have a day of the week when you do the laundry, when you clean the kitchen. When you acquire something new, get rid of something old, one in, one out, that sort of thing. Step seven, consider others. There is stuff that you have that you don't need or you no longer need that someone else could use. My mother was good at this. Over the course of her life, she would give away things she knew would be useful to others, would be valued by others, would be helpful. Jewelry, clothes, furniture, household items, art, books. As a result, after she died, wrapping up her apartment was a simple matter. But more importantly, Many people have active and fond memories of her because they have some of her things. When it comes to these steps, I like to call it curating your life. Museums have staff called curators whose job it is not only to conserve the museum's collection, but to organize it and arrange it, deciding which items to exhibit, which to store, and which no longer belong in the collection. You could be doing that with the things in your life. As human beings, we're a composite of body and soul. Our physical environment absolutely affects our emotions and ultimately the health of our soul. 
We do ourselves a disservice if we only pay attention to our physical environment. Granted, there are different personalities. Some people have greater tolerance for clutter and disorder than others, for sure. But eventually, disorder will impact us negatively, while simple, simple can have a calming effect. Simple is important. Of course, I've only been talking about physical space, and obviously we're not going to spend the six weeks of this series talking about physical space, much as I would love to. Simplifying space, however, is a great metaphor for the whole of our lives. And so through this series, we're going to look at other ways to simplify our life, too. We're going to look at soul clutter. What do we need to get rid of? What do we need to keep for the good of our souls? We'll look at a very simple prayer, prayer practice that can help declutter our soul. Relational clutter. Our relationships are always moving and changing and shifting. Some relationships can be a priority for a season, but then need to be put on the back burner. Some relationships are just toxic and need to be eliminated. Mind clutter, the life of our mind is very important, but we can fall into consuming content that doesn't lead us to good places or purpose. And of course, in our thoughts, there's the constant clutter of worry. Financial clutter, we can get overextended in our expenses, living beyond our means and creating tremendous stress and tension in our daily lives. Schedule clutter, We'll take a week to look at our schedules and see what we need to stop altogether, what we need to right-size, and what should come off our schedule. We'll take a look at a simple teaching from Jesus that will help us discern how to best use our time. And then there's emotional clutter. We'll wrap up this series looking at the emotional clutter, especially anger, resentment, regret, that we carry around all the time. That's all up ahead. Today is the Feast of the Epiphany, a beautiful feast celebrating a beautiful episode in the Christmas story. We read about it in the Gospel of Matthew. Decluttering our life will make our decisions easier and give us a clearer sense of direction so that we can more effectively follow where God wants to lead us this year in a way the Magi did. Matthew tells us this story. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star and have come to worship. The idea of a star signaling, signaling the birth of an important or great person was a widespread and popular idea in the ancient world. The Magi, perhaps not kings, but certainly of royal stature, were students of the stars. That's because they were most probably Persian Zoroastrians, an ancient religion that unlike the other ancient pagan religions was monotheistic and messianic, meaning that like Jews, they believed in one God, and they believed that God 
was going to send a savior one day. And so in the absence of revelation, they studied the stars for signs of the savior's coming. As students of the stars, the magi were able to determine that something very special was happening with the appearance of what we call the Star of Bethlehem. Clearly, they left everything to follow that star more than a thousand miles from Persia to Israel. They traveled together toward their common goal. They sought the help they needed going to Jerusalem to find the additional information they lacked. Then Matthew writes, they were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and worshiped. As a result of their focus and their determination, they found the Lord. The purpose of this series is to identify a little more freedom, a little less stress, a little less tension in our daily lives as we simplify in the coming year clearing out the clutter in our homes and hearts, our minds and schedules, our finances and our relationships, really can lead to a place of greater joy in the new year. So as we get started, why not consider unchurched family and friends who might appreciate this series, invite them to join us in person or online, and plan to commit to the whole series yourself, too. And to get the most out of this series, consider getting into a small group this semester. Think about it. When you come to Mass on Sunday, you sit in rows and only one person speaks, me. When you get into a small group, you sit in a circle. And it's your turn to talk as well as listen to one another. It's amazing how much clearer a topic gets when we talk about it with others. You can easily get into a small group by going to our website anytime, stopping by the Welcome Center after Mass today, or texting the word GROOM to our short code, 88877. You can do that right now. Also, we'll be hosting several workshops during this series if you want to go deeper in any or all of the topics we're looking at each week. Workshops like our Financial Peace University starting this week. Learn more on our website. The story of the Magi and the whole story and season of Christmas close with a bit of a spooky but seemingly unimportant detail. Matthew tells us, and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way, another way. After meeting the child Jesus, they went home another way, a different way. When, whenever we have an authentic encounter with Christ, we're changed, we're different. We discover a different way, a better way. And when we simplify our lives in the various ways, in the many ways we can do that, we could very well be creating more space for just that encounter.
Thanks for watching. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful that you're part of this community.